Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello again. We're looking at the book of Acts, an exciting picture of what the church could be and I think should be. You know, in those early days of Christianity, the Bible says that people said you're turning the world upside down. In a few short decades, Christianity had spread from Jerusalem around the known civilized world around Israel and around Europe. And within a few hundred years, up until 300 AD, the effect on the world was dramatic until eventually in 313 AD, the Roman emperor became a Christian. And then things changed quite significantly. He legalized Christianity and built huge temples and almost forced people to say they were Christians so that they would be acceptable in society, and suddenly the increase and the spread of Christianity slowed right down. And over many centuries, eventually we got back to a place, I believe, in the early 1900s, when Christianity was not that acceptable legally and in society, and the power of God was being poured out again, And people started saying the Bible is true. And we started to get back to where the church was in about 300 AD. Now, that's just my opinion. Others may disagree with me. But if you look at the spread of Christianity since the early 1900s until today, it is starting to look like it did in the early church. And I'm so excited, you know, to be alive in a time like this. In Matthew 24, Jesus says, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to every nationality and then the end will come. And we are close to being able to say that Christianity has reached every nation, every language group, every people in the world. We're not quite there, but we're very close. And so I believe we're living in the book of Acts. But the reason we're looking at the book of Acts is to learn more about how we can model ourselves on the early book of Acts. So we've been looking at the Apostle Paul. We saw how he got saved, all the things that went into his life to prepare him and the people that he linked himself with. He went on a first missionary journey um, close around Galatia, and it was very successful. Then he went back to Antioch, where he had been sent from. And then later he went on a second missionary journey. And this is what we're looking at now. And at the start of that second missionary journey in Acts 16, verse 6, it says that he wanted to go to Asia. Now, the area's geographical names in the Bible are different to what we use today. We don't call that area of Turkey Asia. But Paul spoke of wanting to go to Asia and Ephesus was the main city of Asia. So right from the start of his second missionary journey, and that's this is the end of his missionary work, really, from what we can see in the book of Acts. The second missionary journey is, is all we see in the book of Acts. But right from the start of that, he wanted to go to Ephesus. He had his sights set on Asia and Ephesus. And it says the Holy Spirit said no. And he wasn't saying no forever. He was just saying no, not yet, because Paul had to learn some things. And we saw in a previous week how Paul was making mistakes, but learning from those mistakes. And he was progressing and and God was working in him and teaching him things. And he was refining his method of planting churches and obeying the Great Commission. 
Also, he had to be linked with some people. And so he met Luke and Timothy and various people along the way who helped him in his ministry. And he was growing as a person in maturity and in the knowledge of God. I'm so encouraged that even the great apostle Paul had a progress in his Christianity. And you and I are the same. Friend, if you have made mistakes, don't worry. All of us have made mistakes. You're not disqualified. You're just learning. And we start now. Do you remember what Paul said in Philippians? Forgetting what is behind, pressing on to what is ahead. I look forward to the prize. And that's what we've got to do. So we're now at the, the stage where he's in the second last church that he ever planted. The last church is Ephesus. And in Acts chapter 19, we see him in Ephesus. And that was where he wanted to go from the start. Right in Acts 16, he wanted to go to Asia and to Ephesus. That was his plan from the start. And eventually he reached there. And that was the last church he ever planted. And that's the pinnacle. That's where all of his experience and knowledge and all the power that God has been working into him and through him is released to make Ephesus the absolute jewel in the crown, the pinnacle of his ministry. But before he got to Ephesus, he spent 18 months in a town called Corinth. And that's what we're looking at today. Chapter 18 of the book of Acts. It's the penultimate church that he ever planted. And we can see that he's learning so many lessons. What he did in Ephesus that made it the beautiful, perfect pinnacle. He learned a lot of those lessons in Corinth. And so we're going to look at Corinth and Ephesus. And I want to do this for the next couple or three sessions uh, where we just try to understand what made Ephesus and Corinth so, so amazing. Before I get there, let me just tell you why Ephesus is so amazing. First of all, it was the last church that he ever planted. And so he learned everything that he needed to learn. But secondly, do you realize how much of the Bible, especially the letters of Paul, are related to the book of Ephesus, the, the city of Ephesus? So the book of Ephesus, Ephesians, we know um, that Ephesians is just one of the most beautiful, beautiful books of the Bible. That was obviously written to Ephesus, the city where Paul spent three years at the end of his missionary work. He still had life after that, but a lot of it was writing letters. It was under house arrest. Um, he wasn't planting churches. He was, he was helping people grow through his letter writing and his personal ministry. Some people believe he had a third missionary journey, but we're not told that in the book of Acts. So um, obviously the book of Ephesians is written to Ephesus, but there were also other letters written to Ephesus. And you may not even realize that they were written to the city of Ephesus. Many people say, I didn't even know Ephesus was a big deal, but it is the pinnacle. It is so central and important to our New Testament. So the books of 1 and 2 Timothy were written to the city of Ephesus because Timothy, Paul's assistant, was ministering in Ephesus at the time. And Paul wrote there to him. Also, Revelation was written to Ephesus and the cities around Ephesus. John the Apostle writes to the seven lampstands, the seven cities, and Ephesus is one of them. So we've seen Ephesians, Timothy, and Revelation were written to Ephesus. But then also there were letters written from Ephesus. So John's letters, the Apostle John, when he wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, 
and when he wrote the Gospel of John were written from Ephesus because John was based there. He was overseeing that region later on in his life. Uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians was written from Ephesus. And then if you include Corinth, Romans, Galatians, and Thessalonians were from Corinth. So we see that pretty much all of Paul's letters and, and all of John's were linked to this region, Ephesus and Corinth. We also see that Ephesus is by far the most successful church that Paul ever planted. It had the widest reach. It affected the whole region. We're going to see in Acts chapter 19 that everyone in the province of Asia, a huge region of land, everyone heard the gospel of the Lord in a very short space of time because Paul had refined his method. And the number of Christians in Ephesus there was a big bonfire where people repented of their magic arts and they brought their books, their magic books, and they burned them. And the Bible tells us in Acts 19 the value of those books that were burnt. And experts have said for that much uh, money to be burnt up means there were a great, great, great number of Christians in Ephesus. And they estimate at least 50,000 Christians just in the city of Ephesus. So it was by far the pinnacle of Paul's ministry. And we're going to see that in Corinth, he linked himself to certain people, he learned certain lessons, and then he honed them. And in Ephesus, we're going to learn about how he did his ministry and what he preached, the way, the manner that he exercised his ministry. And the reason we're doing that is because we as Christians are supposed to be modeling ourselves on what they learned in the book of Acts. It's written for our edification, for our exhortation, for our help. The Bible is here for us, not just to entertain our minds, but for us to say, how can I come closer to this? And if we look at Corinth, but especially Ephesus, there will be some huge lessons for us. Now you may say, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a church leader. Why is this relevant to me? Friend, all of us are ministers. Every single one of us has a ministry and God is asking us to be involved. And we're going to see people like Priscilla and Aquila today who were just business people. They were just your average professional couple who just went about their daily business. They got involved. They got inspired in the, the work of planting churches and extending the kingdom of God through the Great Commission. And they were vital to this. And so we're going to see that it's for all of us. These lessons that Paul learnt are for all of us to extend God's kingdom. Right, Acts chapter 18 and verse 1. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Paul comes from Athens. We know that it has not been a, a success he has struggled, and when he arrives in Corinth, he's humble, and he says, I, I, I don't want to trust in human wisdom. I want to just trust in God, in the resurrection, the crucifixion, and the power of God's Spirit. 
and he comes there alone. He's without any of his team members and he finds a job. <laughs> he finds a job. Now, Paul was forced, I believe, to find a job. He had to get some money. The Philippians had sent money to him before, but I think this had all run out. And in Acts 18 verse 5, it says in the New King James, Paul was compelled when Silas and Timothy arrived. Paul was compelled by the Spirit. But in the New American Standard Version, it says when Silas and Timothy came down, Paul began devoting himself completely to the Word testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So they brought money. And we can see from other references that Silas and Timothy brought gifts, especially from the Philippians. Uh, they brought money to Paul. And so he was able to give up his tent making and just devote himself to the ministry. But I want you to see a couple of really, really helpful and important things here. First of all, Paul learned a lesson about tent making, about secular work from this experience. He arrives, he, he needs to get a job. Friend, if you're in ministry, you might think, well, it's just going to be easy. All the money will flow in and, and everything will be easy and I'll, I'll find premises and people will want to come to my church or my prayer meeting or my Bible study. There are times where it's difficult and Paul had to get a job. And he actually learned something so valuable from having to get a job. So the first important principle that he learned in Corinth, but then he honed in Ephesus, was the value of a minister having a secular job. Now, at other times, Paul was fully involved in ministry and supported by the ministry. But there was something about his job with Priscilla and Aquila that he learned something so important from. Because in Ephesus, he took Priscilla and Aquila with him. Uh, they set up a tent making business. And in Acts 20, where he's talking about his ministry, he says, um, I have coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. Yes, you yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities and for those who who were with me. I've shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You see what Paul learned in Corinth and then repeated in Ephesus was that there is a benefit to having a secular job. Paul was forced to get a job with Priscilla and Aquila. While he was with them, he linked up with them. They were, they were close to him. He calls them later his fellow workers, his team members, part of his, his ministry team. But they never stopped making tents. And when Paul moved from Corinth to Ephesus, he took them with him. They set up a business. Paul worked for the whole three years that he was in Ephesus. He could have asked for money from the church and been supported by the church. But he said, in Ephesus, I want to be bivocational. I want to work as a tent maker, but also plant churches. Why did he do this? He said in Acts 20, I've shown you by this that it's more blessed to give than to receive, uh, that we are supposed to work hard. He was modeling something for the church. You see, if, if he had come in and said, well, I'm just the one who's going to be supported, and uh, you guys are going to do the work, they might have thought there's this clergy laity split where he's the one who does the ministry 
We're the ones who receive the ministry. But what he did was he says, I'm going to work just like you. I'm going to work as a tent maker for the whole three years that I'm in Ephesus. In Corinth, it was just a short time until Silas and Timothy arrived, but he learned something and he decided in Ephesus to labor with his hands night and day, providing for his own needs and those of his associates. Isn't that amazing? There's just another really interesting little point in this. In Acts chapter 19, talking about his time in Ephesus, it says in verse 11, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. It says that Paul had handkerchiefs and aprons, and they were taken from his body and put on sick people, and they were healed. Now, my question is, why did Paul have handkerchiefs and aprons on his body? And the reason is because those were the uniform, the tools of the trade of a tent maker. He would have a big apron on the front to protect himself while he was cutting and sewing leather and making tents. And he would have a handkerchief tied around his forehead because he would be sweating so much. And those tools of his secular job. You see, we sometimes think there's secular work working in an office, working as a laborer, working as a teacher, or even being a stay-at-home parent. We think there's secular work, and then there's ministry. And secular work is not anointed, and ministry is anointed. And if I could just become full-time in ministry, and, and then I would see the anointing of God. If I could have a title like reverend or apostle, then I would be anointed. And only Sundays is and, and church meetings are anointed. But my job where I'm sat at a desk or whatever it is, that's not anointed. Can you see how Paul's work was anointed? The aprons and the handkerchiefs that he wore to make tents were taken from his body and they healed the sick. Because my friend, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Work as if to God and not to men. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, the Bible says. Whether it's working, whether it's taking care of your family, uh, whether it's playing sport, all of our lives are ministry. You know, we have two or three or maybe four hours a week in church meetings. But what about the other 164 hours a week? God wants to anoint our whole lives, our whole time, our whole work, everything that we do and every passion that we have. And when we understand that, which is what Priscilla and Aquila understood, because they became Paul's great leaders. They discipled people like Apollos. They then moved to other cities and started small house churches and helped in Rome and various other places. But when we understand that we're all ministers and God anoints secular work, even the money that that secular work earns, we we earn it. We say thank you to the the business for providing it. But ultimately, it's God who's providing it. And we're saying this is God's method of providing for me so that I can fund the kingdom of God. When we understand that secular work is anointed by God, there are miracles, great miracles that happen. When you're sitting at your desk and somebody watches you relating to other people and they, they make a point in their mind, this person's different because they're a Christian. There is an anointing on that. When you speak to a customer or a, car, or a colleague or somebody and you say, God bless you, or you're kind, or even if you don't mention God, but you have integrity, God is pleased with that. And friend, I want to say to you that your work is anointed.
and the the profession that um, Priscilla and Aquila did, they earned money and they helped to fund what God was doing. And even in Ephesus, even though Paul was working and earning money, I believe Priscilla and Aquila were contributing and using their money. This couple, Priscilla and Aquila, so amazing. Let's read again. Verse 2 of Acts 18. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by occupation. They were tent makers. It mentions they were kicked out of Rome by the emperor Claudius. Now, Claudius was a Roman emperor who was very cruel. And in the history books, in the non-Christian history books, it mentions an event where Claudius made a decree that all the Jews who were fighting because of a man called Crestus should leave Rome. And most people believe that when it says Crestus, he was trying to say Christ, but he just couldn't get the name right. And so it was talking about the Christians in Rome and Priscilla and Aquila were forced to leave a successful, prosperous, happy life. They probably had their own business in Rome. They were forced to leave and they went to Corinth because of Crestus, because of Christ, because they believed in Jesus. And when Paul arrives in Corinth, he finds somebody who is a man of peace. You know, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, the laborer is worth his wages. Don't worry. Don't take a whole lot of money with you. And when you find someone who's a man of peace, who's a friendly person who accepts you, stay with them, receive and eat whatever they give you, and don't move around from house to house. Stay with them and build relationships. And that's what Paul learned in Corinth. He built a team, fellow workers. He learned about work, that all work is blessed and anointed by God. And he decided, when I go to Ephesus, I'm going to work. Just one th more thing about the team. In Acts 18 and verse 6, it says, When they opposed and blasphemed him, he shook his garments, said, Your blood be on your own heads. And in verse 7, he says, He departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. And Paul found a house, a base in Corinth, and justice, this man justice, is mentioned later on in Colossians, where Paul says, justice is one of my fellow workers, my team members. And so Paul was learning the value of work and of a team. Work and a team. Friend, I want to close by just saying to you that your work is anointed by God. What you do in the 164 hours that you're not in church meetings is sacred. It is blessed. God wants you to be a good teacher, parent, a laborer, whatever it is you do. What you do for the rest of your week is just as blessed as in those special meetings where we meet for God. And God can use you. Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned by Paul in several other places in the Bible as being so crucial and key to his ministry. And we see in Ephesus that they were key. They left Corinth Paul stayed there for 18 months. It says um, that he had a dream in verse 9. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in the city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. He met in Justice's house. They gathered 
small groups started, he would teach there and they would go out and do their small groups. And he repeated that in Ephesus to a greater degree in a room called Tyrannus's lecture hall. And he stayed there. The, the vision said, stay, stay, stay. Don't rush around so much. Stay where you are. He stayed 18 months in Corinth. He stayed three years in Ephesus. And there was value in him making a base, building relationships, building team, getting a job and discipling the people that way. Friend, how does this apply to you and me? The first important point is you are a minister. You are anointed. Just as Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons were anointed, your calculator, your shovel, your truck that you drive, whatever job you do, that, that is anointed. And God is using you in that place of work. I remember when I was working in a secular job, for many years I thought nobody was really being influenced by my Christianity. But just towards the end of a five-year stint in a job, I had a man come to me. He says, tell me about Christ. And then the bosses of my job gave me an opportunity to preach to the whole workplace. We had a meeting and I preached to the whole workplace. But it took years of building a relationship and just being a Christian in normal life. And then we rub off on people. God wants you in a workplace or maybe in full-time ministry, but we are all ministers and he will use you. He will use the money you earn. He will use the relationships you build. He will use every single one of us to reach the world for Christ. We at Leading Lights would love to help you. We've got a website with so many resources, but also relationships. We want to pray for you and help you. Sign up, let us know. We'll send you a weekly email and we would love to know what's going on. Father God, I pray that you would help us all to realize we are lights for you. We are your ministers. And I pray that you would anoint the work that people are doing, Lord, their handkerchiefs and aprons, that you would anoint them in those hours of the week when they're not in church meetings. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.